Welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, presented by Easton's new Ultra Micro Diameter Injection Arrows. Injection utilizes the new Deep Six standard for more big game penetration than ever before. Learn more about the injection today at www.eastonarchery.com. Now here's your host of Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, Editor Christian Berg. All right, welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting. We have got uh, we got a pretty darn good show for you today because I've got the one, the only, Pigman, Brian the Pigman Quacka. Pigman. What's up, buddy? Lay it upon me, my friend. Hey, uh, obviously, um, the magazine has not, uh, my cover photo has not been let out in public yet because I'll I'm seeing any riots or anything in the streets trying to get into the stores to get that that issue. What's going on, buddy? When am I gonna When am I gonna be on the cover? You just let the cat out of the bag, my friend. You let the cat out of the bag. June issue, June issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting, Pigman on the cover. And uh, you know what's funny, Brian? You asked me a question, and you thought it was going to be a joke, but it wasn't a joke. Okay, you said. Uh, well, we talked. We talked for a little while about maybe we'll put the pig man on the cover someday. And then, you know, as a lot of people who are listening probably know, you had a little mishap. You had a little accident. You had a little run off the road out in Colorado. And you said to me... You call it a mishap, huh? Uh, well, let that's... Me just, let, me, let me clarify what you, what uh gentleman from Pennsylvania would say a mishap is. I got my face ran over by an excursion. That's what happened. Other than that, that's more than a mishap. Yeah, and so you were basically. So that, but basically, what I'm saying is to you is is I'm asking you a question. Did that is that what it took for me to make the cover of Peterson Bow Hunting, knowing that everybody knows that I'm definitely one of the best archers that's alive today, and I think maybe you yourself learned a little bit more about me too while we were together for a couple of days. That's right. Well, like I told you then on the phone, you know, when you asked me, you said, now, really, Christian, did I have to go and get my head run over by an excursion to get on the cover of your magazine? I'll tell the listeners the same thing I told you. I said, no, but it tell didn't, the truth. It, it didn't tell hurt. Tell the truth. Come on. I, I said, no, but it, but it helped. It did. It helped. So I uh, want your I, listeners to also know, my man, which everybody out there listening, uh, I call Christian CB, uh, tell them who kicked me to the curb and got my issue the month that I was actually going to get to be in the magazine. It's okay. <laughs> funny. I think it's funny. Well, you got bumped by Gary LaVox from Rascal Lee. So I'm... you give up the pig man for a country music star. I mean, that's just crazy, man. I told you, dude. He's more famous than you are. I know, man. I know. That's all right, man. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, everybody knows we're joking, and it's an honor to be on the cover of the magazine. And, yes, I did have a bad mishap going into eastern Colorado, and uh, it just almost ended my life. And, uh, but, you know, what I said, I just, I just came from the NRA show and uh, did an interview with Cam and Company, and he was talking to me, and we was talking about you. And, and uh, it's just like not only the, the archery industry but the gun industry as well has been, like, really, really strong. And uh, when the chips are down, I've always said this thing. Most of the people that you meet when you're hunting are good people. You know, it's just it's because we all kind of like to do the same thing. And there's some bad seeds here and there, but rule of thumb, dude, uh, most everybody you meet out in the hunting world is pretty good folks. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I always say, 
if you can't be in a good mood getting a chance to go out and hunt or fish or shoot, you need to have your head examined because it doesn't get much better. You know what I mean? I, I can honestly tell you that I've never taken a new hunter or a new fisherman or a new shooter out, especially an archer. I have never handed anybody a fishing pole, a gun, that didn't absolutely enjoy it and say, hey, uh, nah, I don't really like that. Never, ever. I'm 42 years old. And archery, for sure. Every single person that I hand a bow, I don't care if they're three or they're 73. They absolutely love it if it's the first time they've done it. That's the best best thing in the world, man. I know you get a you know, a good day at whatever you're doing for a living and get that stress and the aggravations and whatever you got. And believe it or not, even in your job and my job, you know, there's stress and aggravation sometimes. And you just get out there with your bow and stand in front of that target and start flinging some arrows and all that just melts right out of you, doesn't it? It does, man. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just a great thing. And and, uh, we're fortunate, dude, me and you both. And uh, I know everybody out. You know, one of the bigger questions I get is not a technical question about gear and things like that all the time but how did you get started and just look man that all i can tell you is always be yourself and you, you've got to be yourself i mean because uh, none of us is smart enough without having a producer standing there with a teleprompter to you know duplicate a character that you create for a television series you have to be yourself so you can always be that same person on film you know and that's that's the greatest thing. And like, look, dude, we got, we're lucky. You know, we are, uh, we're tied to Schwartzman Channel as well. And uh, just look at the list. Look at where we came from. When I signed with them guys, they was in like five or six million homes. You know, now we're over in over forty. It's grown. It's huge. And everybody knows that the true fans of Hunt Shoot Fish is really on Schwartzman Channel. You know, I mean, that's just the way it is. They never make me a part of bow hunting Wednesday or whatever it is, bow hunting Friday or nothing like that, but that's okay. It's not a big deal, you know. I mean, because I, I shoot gun and bow, and I'm not an all-archery show. Uh, I wish I was sometimes because I, deep yeah, down to the core, me, I'm a bow hunter, you, you know. You told me that your time slot was the best time slot on the whole network on Sunday nights. Well, I think it is, and I think that the shows that's been before me or followed me will tell you the same thing, especially the shows that followed me. The guys that's been in that time slot that got moved the following year, and their their ratings plummet, you know. And it's just because I'm just, I try to be just a, a normal person. And uh, also, uh, here's one thing that I didn't get to say. I showed you a lot of video and a lot of letters and stuff from fans while I was in the hospital. I can honestly tell you that without things just like, exactly like that, there's no question in my mind that I wouldn't have made it. I mean, I can remember videos coming from Michigan from two little girls uh, telling me they loved me and I hoped I got better. And I mean three and five, little tiny girls. That's the kind of things that, that matters over the years at the end of the day. And if it wasn't for my fans and the kids, my career would have been over a long time ago, man. Mm-hmm. So this ain't, as, uh, this ain't as lucrative as everybody thinks. Believe it or not, but Jason Pickerel at Bear Archery don't pay me $342 million to shoot a bear bow. I just want to make that clear to everybody. Mm, that's only $341 million. Roger. And, uh, Speaking... I'll think your cut of that for doing that on this interview, so don't worry, buddy. Speaking of uh, Sportsman Channel, uh, you, know, you mentioned that, and uh, uh, you are 
getting ready to make a big comeback. I mean, we can kind of get into the accident a little bit as part of this because you uh, you went from being just about dead uh, December the 26th when you had your accident to mm-hmm. uh, being back to being the pig man and you're out there right now i know you're filming hunts for season six of pig Pig man the series and i know because we mentioned this in in the article uh in the june issue that you got i think two episodes coming up on sportsman channel highlighting your comeback from the accident everything you've had to go through and getting back out there and killing pigs again oh man i tell you it's uh it's it's one thing, you know, to make TV, like, totally healthy, and it's another thing to make TV that way, not just because of the hunt itself, but because, like, think about it, you know, like, my show is, uh, everybody watches it, and you really never paid it that much attention before. It's way more interview-driven than um, a normal, traditional hunting show. There's a lot more in-studio, in on a black screen, than there is actually in the field because I'm trying to walk. I've always wanted, Christian, everybody to feel like that I'm actually taking them on the hunt mm-hmm. and explaining to them why I do what I do, not to say that that's the only way to do it or the right way for them to do it. I'm just trying to show people how I kind of do it the redneck way, you know, so it's it's more affordable and it's least expensive. And so I'm promoting getting more people out into the field. But when you're sitting in front of that black screen on a stool answering, talking uh, questions and going over your field notes and you got a producer sitting there, it's like, tell me about this. And you're getting shot with a red one camera, which is one of the highest definition cameras in the world. Uh, you, every little thing that, that's a flaw, you see it. Like my, the way my mouth moves. And so everybody knows that don't know, because I want to touch on this a little bit, Christian, because this weekend, this past weekend at NRA, there was a lot of people that came up to me that, like, you know, heard, and, but they really didn't know. And they're like, oh, man, what happened to you? And uh, I want everybody to know that what happened on the right side of my face, I took a blow right on my cheekbone, and it just basically uh, jacked my nerves up on the right side of my face. So it don't move exactly like the other side at the moment. Now, the prognosis is of 100% recovery. It's just going to take some time through acupuncture and all of that. But that's one of the, the bigger challenges that I've had, physically seeing myself look like that on camera. Because at the end of the day, that's how I make my living. I mean, yes, hunting is part of that too, but I can shoot left-handed. I can modify my bow, which you know, to make it work. And uh, I've already got bow kills under my belt. I've got gun kills under my belt. I'm back. My voice hasn't changed that much. You can hear a little bit of a slur. But it's it's just getting better. And uh, I'm just thankful, you know, that I'm in the sport that I'm in. Because uh, if I was in snowboarding, I don't know if I'd be back. Well, the important thing is, you know, the body may be a little bruised and battered, but the six inches in between the ears is 100% fully intact, so it's 100% pig man, you know what I, I mean? I don't know if uh, many people would agree with you on that <laughs> or not, but, I, boy, I just, and knowing you, I can't believe that you even give me that one. I really thought that was a setup for some kind of a joke. No, well, I mean, I'm not saying it was, you know, operating at peak capacity before, but I don't oh. think it's been diminished any by the accident. So, um, real quick, you know, I don't want to spend all our time because you got a lot of exciting new things going, but for people, you know, who really don't know, like you say, you, you were at NRA, obviously that was, as a matter of fact, I think that was your first big public appearance since the accident here uh, at those NRA meetings, and I know that was like, 
you know, uh, a billion people down there in Nashville for those things. I mean, just real quick, what was that like just being back around your fans and, 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 you know, doing the, doing the whole appearance thing for the first time since you've been back? Exhausting. That's the only way I can tell you. I mean, I guess because I've been gone a little bit, uh, it was, it was amped a little bit more than it probably normally was because everybody was just kind of like, Oh man, you know, or like one lady walked by and said, I didn't really know you was going to be here, but I, I was at another booth, and I heard you talking, and I told my husband, Big Man is here, I hear him. He's at the loophole booth, so they came around there. But it was uh, overwhelming, and, um, man, we signed lots of hats and took lots of photos with lots of good people, and not one person was negative about anything. Nobody ever said to me, man, you know, what are you going to do now, you know, that this like this, and, and everybody was positive. So uh, I needed that, you know. I think it helped me a little bit. It's good. Good to get some encouragement, you know. So, yep. so real quick, um, you know, let's kind of run through this. Uh, you know, where you been, where you're at. Um, so the day after Christmas, uh, you and you and your dad, Dap, uh, you loaded up. Uh, you were heading up to Colorado for uh, for a late season deer hunt, and kind of kind of run into something you didn't plan on there. Yeah. Well, normally, um, for obvious reasons, anybody that follows Jigman the series uh, knows that my dad is notorious for running over things and he's kind of a he's kind of a destructive. He could tear down a steel building with a rubber mallet in just a short period of time. But I never let him drive. And especially that particular excursion because it had programmers and delete and stuff on it. I mean it had lots of horsepower and I really don't know what happened to tell you the truth. All I know is we headed out to meet some folks up there to finish out our season and we finally had the deer kind of dialed in. Um, uh, and we got just into the bottom part of Colorado and, uh, I had dozed off. We switched all oh, about Memphis, somewhere like that in Texas. And he hadn't been driving really all that long. And I woke up and the excursion was going 70 miles an hour sideways down the highway. Well, and you, I just remember wait, telling wait, him. Wait, 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 now you've, you, you know, in fairness to DAP, you forgot to mention the weather wasn't exactly like. No, I was going to, I was going to mention the ice. Okay. I mean, I, I'm not like he was Dukes of Hazard. In the highway, you're right. I kind of throwed him under the bus a little bit. Uh, it was it, the weather was deteriorating as we let's say from Amarillo up. It just up to through Dumas and up that way. It just started getting worse, and the roads got bad. I didn't realize how bad because I was asleep. And when I woke up, this thing was sideways going down the highway, and I just remember telling him, "Get it off the road, you know, and uh, got to get out of the traffic. We don't want to kill nobody else, you know." And uh, Boom, I remember the first flip, and then unconscious after that. And the next thing, I remember him dragging me out of the excursion and uh, the ambulance ride. And then the ambulance ride from Springfield to Denver because it was too, uh, weather conditions were too bad to care flight. So I rode four hours to, uh, to Denver, but I had some very wonderful people taking care of me the whole time. So, hey, I've been very fortunate. I mean, you just ran through that like it was nothing, folks. I'm telling you, and you're going to want to pick up uh, pick up this June issue to kind of get all the details. I mean, Brian was uh, he was in real rough shape after this. Like you say, your head uh, took the brunt in those flips and multiple skull fractures. You had blood bleeding on your brain. You had blood in your lungs. I mean, honestly, and you know, you told me, Dap told me, I mean, you, they really didn't know if you were going to make it. No, no, for several days, for several days. That wasn't just that initial prognosis. I mean, they didn't. They thought brain damage. One morning, it was uh, 
skull, fra- you know, I had a skull fracture they thought wasn't going to, like, line back up, and they was going to have to put a plate there to make that line back up. So, you know, I'd get the pressure right on my brain, and that's what I, the way I took it. I may be misspeaking, but I remember the doctor coming back in and saying, holy crap, man, uh, we don't need to do that. You're like, these, these skull fractures, and there was 11 skull fractures, and uh, like three broken ribs, and I see where they said I had a broke wrist. I don't know that it healed itself or what happened, but look, all I can tell you is I'm very fortunate. Of course, I would like to tell the story that I'm tougher than everybody else, but a human being is a human being, and there's only one reason that I'm alive, and some reason God spared my life. I don't know what that's for, uh, but, I, you know, I pray a whole lot more than I did before. Uh, Lord knows I'm never going to be a evangelist, but uh, I do I'm always believe. I'm a Southern Baptist from the core, and I have been since I've been a little boy, and I've always believed in God. And anything that ever happened to my son or anything like that, I always reached out that direction. But you get so busy doing what we do, and that's no excuse. So the kids that's out there listening, appreciate what you got and uh, pay your respects to the Lord and believe it. When In your time of need, when the chips are down, I am living proof that that works 100%. So, so that's the only way I can say it, man. And a, a, a kind of an amazing thing about the accident, too, is as bad as you got hurt, Dap really hardly had too many scratches. Oh, none. He had a, on his right shoulder, uh, like that little bone that sticks up right there on the top of your shoulder, like got swollen up. But he ended up going to the doctor. And uh, when we got back home, because he was never even held in a hospital at all there. He was released. They looked him over and uh, says they tried to overcharge him for a arm sling. Now, that's just that, man. He said, I don't know. I'm taking a T-shirt and tie this thing up. I don't need that $500 anyway. He's crazy, man. But, look, number one, exactly, because the trauma surgeon told me on, the, on a positive note, this is what he says to me, comes in the room on the third day. I'm thinking, okay, on the positive note is, my legs are going to work or something like that. He's like, no, if your dad had been sitting in the seat, he said, I've been a trauma surgeon for a long, long time and a trauma doctor. Had he been in your seat, he would be dead. There's no way that he could take what you took because your age difference. And I said, look, I mean, that's kind of what I've had to key on. And I'm going to tell you that I can think to myself, my son, J.D., if we had a wreck and, and this happened to him, and I had to see him go through this for three or four months of rehabilitation. It's got to be emotionally and physically draining for him to see me, even though I tell him it's okay and it wasn't his fault. There's no way that you can talk him out of his mindset, his state of mind, that he'd done this. And he, it's not his fault. Mm-hmm. And we have a closer relationship than most father and sons have. Note that he drives me crazy and remember we're making TV, so some of the things that we portray on the show is not quite as dramatic <laughs> as we make it seem, but now do not be confused. He will tear something up, and uh, he will tear, screw up anything that he possibly can. That's his nature. That's why it's so easy to make television with that. Because he's always breaking stuff? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's always a story. You know, You know how many people at NRA told me? Big man, you knew better than to let doubt drive. Mm. You know, I mean, but I honestly, Christian, don't think in that situation there was really nothing anybody could do because us having to get to the destination we was headed to and then that part of Colorado being so rural, you know, 
there was no road conditions via GPS or anything like that. So we just kept going, and I think that would happen to me too. So yeah. that's the one positive thing that I take out of it. Uh, at least he wasn't sitting in the passenger side. So, so let me ask you this, you know, so how long, I mean, you're laying in a hospital bed there in Denver. You know, like you said, they had to transport you to the trauma center there in Denver because that little hospital in Springfield really wasn't equipped to deal with somebody in as bad a shape as you were in. Um, You know, okay, so several days, you're just hoping maybe that you live. Uh, How long until you start thinking, okay, I'm not going to die. Am I going to be able to be the pig man anymore? Mm. I don't know, man. Uh, I would say by day two or three, and I finally saw myself, you know, they don't make a big habit out of bringing a mirror to your room when your head's been run over by a car. So, uh, I mean, they don't want to depress you or whatever. And uh, I'll tell you what it weighs on you, man, because this is my career, you know. My face is my career. And, and people make fun of me all the time. Well, it don't matter if you can smile or you don't smile because you never smile anyway. And I, that's that's a, uh image that I portray for television. You know, I'm not... Uh, I'm a pretty outgoing person, and I like to talk to everybody. And uh, But, hey, big man can't be happy-go-lucky. And if, if that's what cracks me up, dude. Like, some one of the doctors and one of the nurses asked me, said, you're staring at me, and I already know. And I'm so bad of shape that the, I'm on television behind the nurse, above her head, and she's looking at the screen, looking at me, looking at the screen, looking at me, and she really don't know if that's me or not. That's how bad of shape I was in. Mm-hmm. So I tell you, yeah, it's that's been the hardest. It's not the physical; it's the mental stuff that I went through. Because you got to remember something: you are the editor of, of Peterson's Bow Hunting, right? Last I okay. checked. What if I take a pair of tree loppers and cut off every one of your fingers? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Think about that. I mean, think if something horrible happened like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is my God. Chance to say it. Don't. I hope it don't. You know. But I'm saying. <clears throat> where would you be, okay, if you couldn't write like you do? And, and I mean, be creative in what you, in your mindset and what you do. It scares the hell out of you because that's the way you take care of your family. And this is the way I take care of mine. Dude, this has never been about me being a big television star and wanting to sign somebody's autograph, okay, or a hat. This is a business for me, and this is my livelihood. And I, everything came into question. Not only my son and my family, but the people that work for me and their families. I've got lots of young guys that work for me, and they all have young kids. And, you know, and they're young, and they're starting their lives. And, you know, I commit to them to make sure that they're taken care of, and that's the way I look at it. And then not to be able to do that for them and my family, is uh, that's pretty scary, man. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's talk a little bit about the shooting and stuff. Uh, I know after you went through all this, you really, um, I know we talked when I was down there, uh, you know, we shot the magazine cover and we did some interviews and for the article and stuff, you lost a lot of strength and, and muscle and everything. And it took you a long time to just, uh, be able to draw a bow again and everything. Yeah, dude, I, I started out, I was shooting. I had uh, Gary over at Bear, which, by the way, is one of the best bow technicians, in my opinion, that's alive today. Hopefully he don't listen to this thing because, man, you won't even be able to talk to him, you know. Uh, but he put together an Arena 34 for me, and uh, 
just a snow camo pattern, something I had laying around. And I think it came in, uh, Christian, like 43 pounds. And I got to tell you, when I first got it, I'm thinking, how, you know, I asked him what's the deal. And he sent the specs in the box and I grabbed that thing. Like, you know, hey, dude, I honestly, I've always told people when you, you want to know the peak weight that you can handle in a hunting situation, set Indian style in the floor and try to draw your bow back. That's how, if you, if you have to go straight up in the air with the bow, then it's too heavy for you to hunt with because it's going to catch you sooner or later. An animal's going to be in a position where you cannot do nothing but pull the string straight back. And I can personally tell you that I've been in that situation. But I sat down and tried to pull that bow like that at 43 pounds, and it felt like everything in my body was breaking. Mm. I said, that is another moment that scared me. Anybody can pull the trigger on a rifle. But, you know, you've got to have a certain amount of physical strength to bow hunt, and I had none. Mm. Down to 193 or 4 pounds from about 226. So I lost 30 pounds. I wasn't eating, uh, you know, and, man, I tell you, just thinking back on all those things, you know, I tell you what, it's pretty, it's pretty scary, man. It took me a while to work that thing, and, and uh, I showed you that bow fit the guy was generous enough to give me, and that's really the only exercise tool that I had. And I still use that every day. Yeah, talk about that thing. You say that's called a bow fit? Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's just a, like a huge piece of surgical tubing with a handle on it. And there's all kinds of tools out there. And I'm not just giving kudos to one particular company. I'm saying that find a, 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 a unit that you can use that actually works your bow muscles. Because your bow muscles that you use to pull a bowstring back are not the same muscles that you use to do everyday things. And that's where I was going. For my size, I've shocked people over the years of being able to pull bows, you know, poundage. I could yeah, comfortably standing up pull 115 pounds. And just so people know, too, to put it in perspective, uh, you know, 43 pounds and the fact that you, you really could hardly even draw that, that's a lot less than what you typically would hunt with. Yeah. What oh you, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's, I mean, your you're, tipi- what's your typical draw weight, Brian, when you're hunting pigs? Um, I, you know, before, here's the thing. before the accident. Um, I, you know, I'd say uh, my whitetail setup is between 65 and 70 pounds. But the particular bow I was shooting at the time was the same thing, an Arena 34. But I had Gary build it a little bit heavier because I was thinking that you know I may have actually taken it to Africa. But on haul, now don't confuse. I never detour uh, prospective archers from a fact that when I say you can't use your 70-pound bow or your whitetail set up to shoot hogs, you can. But you have to be very, very wary of the arrow selection and the broadhead selection because you can't shoot a 2-inch rear deploy mechanical and a 370-grain arrow at a 70-pound bow. But it's, you're not going to kill the above-average big boar hog. So I always kind of I'm on the upper end like the shows that people see in the past in the bush figs. That bow was 84 pounds. Do you need that to kill normal animals? No. But if I got an animal quartering to a little bit or quartering away a little bit and I'm going to reach the off shoulder or push through the shield, uh, I always use a heavier arrow. My, and my gauge on that is look at the arrow chart and always pick the next heaviest arrow up. Add five pounds to your bow setup and choose the next heaviest arrow. It does two things. Penetration increases and the bow's quieter. So typically, yes, to answer your question and not all these other things, uh, I really like Christian between about 74 and about 78 
right in there, and it's because I shoot that that ring finger release that I showed you, mm-hmm. that ringer. Yeah. And I like that tension on my hand. You know, it's it's easier for me because that's the way I learned to shoot. It's harder for me to shoot a light poundage bow accurate than it is to have a little extra tension on my hand. Mm. So, but yeah, I mean, I was at half draw weight basically. So you know what the other thing we didn't even talk about, Brian? Um, What's that? Your eye, your eye. Um, that if I sit here and talk to you right now, it's no better than it was the morning after the the accident. That's where I'm at. So, so uh, again, you know that side of your face, that right side of your face, which took the brunt of the uh, the trauma, uh, where you have that nerve damage and everything. I mean, Brian's. Well, your retina was detached from your eyeball in the crash, yep. and uh, you had a surgery to get that reattached, but really, yep. so you're telling me it's pretty much the same as when I came down to visit you, and you're just really seeing shadows and a little bit that's of it. light, and that's it. That's it. I have. Uh, I went through vitrectomy surgery, and uh, even since I talked to you, I don't think that, um, I don't know that I told you when you was here, if I knew yet, that I didn't have any optic nerve damage. I don't know if we got into that part of it, but the original prognosis for two and a half months was, okay, we have your retina reattached, and we've never seen anybody's retina reattached that quick. And I'm like, well, I don't, you know, I don't know. I wasn't focusing on my retina, but basically they drill two holes in your eyeball, and it's full of blood. They suck all the vitreous matter out, and then they reattach your retina with a gas bubble. So you can't fly. you got to set with your face down so that bubble pushes your retina back against the back of your eyeball and then uh once that healed i'm like man you know i mean this maybe it's this bubble that i'm i can't see around it or whatever and uh, it wasn't and finally i got to dr lau which i gotta say scott white and Temple the eye center they've been great and it's because it's just like you know they know who i am uh they have me in the computer as big man and they all watch the show, and they're big fans. And they're like, man, you know, that we're, we're doing the best we can, and I know that they are. But now the, Dr. Lau says that you have no optic nerve damage. That was the assessment. I said, so your guys are telling me the amount of vision I get back is going to have to do with however much damage the optic nerve has. Yes, two different doctors. And then I went to Lau, which is a neuro-ophthalmologist. He specializes in that. And took him about two minutes to look at the CT scans and MRIs and say, you don't have optic nerve damage. And I said, maybe I did, and maybe my 77-year-old acupuncturist is the first person to ever prove to have uh, repaired an optic nerve. They never want to believe that. She says she's been treating me for that since I started. Dude, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that that's what happened, but how do you have two renowned eye doctors tell you and specifically have the orbital MRI done just so they could see where the optic nerve and the carotid artery goes into my brain, say that it's damaged, and then it, now it's not three months later by Dr. Lau. Maybe they misread it. Maybe she fixed it. I don't know. All I can tell you is, is he told me that I have, from the vitrectomy and from the wreck, the worst cataract he's ever seen, and that is scheduled to be taken off next week. And about 12 to 14 hours after that cataract surgery, I should know exactly what I'm going to have for vision. Mm. It's never going to get better. So that's going to be quite the day there. So and it is my shooting eye. You're a little nervous or, and probably excited, too, about that. 
Uh, I tell you, more than anything, yeah, uh, I'm excited, but it scares me, man. You know, but, hey, you've seen my setup. I've adapted. I've already taken animals. Uh, I can tell you that what I saw by shooting the hog that I shot with the bow, uh, I'm, I've got to make some more modifications to my setup, and I've got to shoot the smallest fins I can. So I, because I, I don't, I always tell people if you can try it with a bow setup, try to shoot with both eyes open, especially if you're, not if you're a target guy, but if you're a, a straight hunter, because what happens with that second eye, dude, and if you guys out there don't believe what I'm saying, put a patch over your left eye if you're right-handed and try to try to shoot something or, or just look at an animal and, and pretend like you're putting a pin on it. And you'll see there's, there's movement in the animal that you don't, with the animal that you don't catch with one eye that you catch with two eyes. And I've always told people from the start, I've taught everybody that I've helped start bow hunting and teach them that are soft, that are really hunters. I said, learn to shoot with both eyes, both eyes open because you got one eye trained on peep sight, 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 pin, level, all these things. At the same time, if you got that left eye closed, you kind of miss some of the stuff that's happening with the animal. It's easy to say, okay, it's time to execute the shot now, but you don't read the animals taking a step or moving, and I've taught myself how to do that. And I, I've done that, uh, a lot of the practicing, by actually just swinging a little ball, a little an old volleyball from a tree in front of a 20-yard target, and then I worked my way down to like a snuff can or a pop can and put rocks in it and just swing it and just try to execute at the right time. You know, and you, that's, that's how I taught myself. Not to say there's people out there that knows way more about technical and proper bow form and stuff than me. I'm just telling you how I've done it. So, mm-hmm. well, but talk, I don't know. Talk a little bit more about that setup because, like you said, you know, Pigman's a right, right-handed shooter, right-eye dominant. Well, you my may- option, Kristen, was to go left-handed and, and retrain myself with this eye. And I'm, I'm not saying that I couldn't. I mean, uh, Absolutely. But my current setup, because everybody likes technical Jarvin, I'm shooting a Bear Archery Arena 34, and uh, it's um, it's a cool bow. I mean, it's it's a little bit longer axle to axle, and uh, which I like, and uh, it's a super it's a super fast bow with a string stop and a limb stop, one on each side of the cam. I love it. I shoot uh, HX Rest Trophy Ridge, and I'm shooting a clutch sight, which is a single pin movable sight. So what I've actually done is so. A typical setup, you're right-handed, the rest is on the left side of the bow, and the sight is on the right side of the bow. What I've had to do is move the sight around to the right side, the left side of the bow above the rest so I could get a, a lot more left travel. So I anchor exactly like I always have, which is why I chose to stay right-handed because I've always thought I've been pretty solid on the shot, especially with a third-finger release. I didn't want to change that and try to relearn that on the left side. Mm-hmm. So I just shimmed that sight over left. And now what I do is I shoot right-handed on the right side like I normally would, but I use my left eye to aim. And the only thing that I've rec- really realized is I moved the sight so far to the left, all I can tell you is is the level is so, so much more important than it ever was. I have to physically make sure I check that level three or four times before I shoot. And uh, at 60, 70 yards, it's uh, about 12 inches if you don't have that level exactly right. Mm. So, yes, it's difficult. But listen, let me tell you this, buddy. 
if this right eye comes back and I ever can shoot with this right eye again, uh, oh, man. What I've taught myself through the, the, the injury and how to have to shoot with this left eye, when I bring everything back in line, uh, I can tell you that there will be some new uh, numbers records of pigs dying. I'm going to kill everything I see. Mm. My goal is 100 kills for the rest of this season with a bow. I'm going to give it a whirl and try to kill everything I see because that's just who I am. How many, I know you definitely got your first bow kill under your belt already. Uh, uh, You're doing quite a bit of hunting now. I know, like I said. I'm back out in the field, yes, sir. Yeah. So what's your schedule like nowadays? I am. Are you going? It's crazy that you ask because I'm heading out to Turkey, Texas. And, God, it's just like I picked these, you know, everybody makes fun of Texas. I picked these towns to go to that people, I'm I'm just setting it up for you to just tear me up about Turkey, Texas. But, Got some friends out there, actually fans of the show, that contacted Justin, my business manager, and got a golf course out there that's just being raided by hogs. And what's happening, it's probably a little dry there. There's not a lot of vegetation. And, of course, they're watering the golf courses and stuff. So the hogs, are they've got two things, grass to graze on and water. So that's drawing them. And you can't fence off the whole golf course to keep them out. I mean, that's millions of dollars. So... They said, Big Man needs to come out here with some thermal night vision, and I will be taking the bare bow because you never know what will happen. And uh, there may be a hog in a certain situation where I can't pull the trigger on a rifle and I'll slip up and kill him with the bow. So we're going to head out there, and uh, we're going to do 18 holes of uh, porking. So wait till you see me in my golf uniform with that little hat with the ball on it, and all the guns will be and uh, bows will be in golf bags, and we'll be cruising around at night with a golf cart with some uh, high-end uh, thermal imaging optics. That could be so, that could be a whole new sport that you might want to trademark that Pigman Golf. And then well, I've got this uh, crazy feeling that as soon as we hang the phone up, you're going to Google it, and you're probably already going to beat me to it. So I'm not even going to worry about it. I'll just take a cut. How about that? That sounds good, man. Because I think it, I think that people would really like that. You you pay your greens fee, and they give you a certain amount of ammunition. And what it is is for everyone you 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 kill with a firearm, it's so much. But see, for everyone that you get with a bow or a crossbow, is like double and triple points. You see, and so you can you can still come out ahead even if you're behind going into the last couple holes you know you get a couple with the archery tackle and bam you just snuck up and stole victory from the jaws of defeat you see what i'm saying yeah that's what i'm trying to tell you see you're learning man i'm teaching you all these things you may have to trademark yourself or something i don't know i mean what be the armadillo man or what but uh we may have to team up yeah, I don't know if... How about uh, we switch I places? I think How about you let... <laughs> hold on, I've got to clear the throat for this one. This is a good one. <laughs> How about you let me be, take over the editing for Peterson's bow hunting for a couple of months, and I'll let you be the pig man. We ought to do that. We'll do a special issue and a special episode. Mm-hmm. And it'll be Armadilla Man on Sports. Yeah, Channel. that's what I'm saying. And I'm thinking, is it... I'm just going to throw this out there, but it's a, probably a strong possibility that somebody will have to review my articles before they get published. Yeah, publisher is probably going to look pretty close because <laughs> yeah, you think you 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 could be known to possibly occasionally just maybe a little bit go over the top with things, Brian. Roger, that's my job. <laughs> that's uh, if I ever have another kid, that's the name on my first name over the top. So so what's O T T. 
what's the big takeaway from all this, man? I mean, you're you're still doing the show. Is the show going to be? I, well, first of all, you got World these you, you got these two two comeback episodes. I mean, what are people going to see there? They're going to see the most horrible looking pig man that they ever seen. It looks like the pig man that used to sit on the stool that got hit in the face with a baseball bat, and that's what it looks like. And uh, but look, here's what I I got my fan reaction and feedback was so strong that I felt like, could I have made it, Christian, and made it to now and really started hammering and finished hunting this season? Because here in Texas, we've got so many opportunities to hunt everything in Oklahoma, and we're so close to everything that I could have banged it out. And, and actually, the way you do that is you, instead of doing seven, uh, got eight episodes, let's say, not seven, but eight, you do five gun and three bow and make sure that the bow is heavy, heavy hogs and a lot of opportunities to try to wrap the season out because realistically, no matter what the show looks like, that's what you have to do and to make deadlines. Uh, yes, but I felt like that my fans were so true to me through the accident that I wanted them to see what was going on and what I dealt with and because I wanted to, if I could inspire one person to say, you know what, I can't believe that dude's sitting on that stool looking like that and still making television. There's no other reason. I didn't get paid extra money. I had to, and I felt like that I owed it to my fans that watched the show that need to see what I've been through, what I'm going through, because if I can help one person, man, say, you know what, if he can do it, I can do it. Mm. That's, that's what it boils down to. We had a company meeting with my company, and we flew the guys in here from L.A. We set up right here at my ranch because I couldn't fly, as you know, because I had that bubble in my eye. Mm-hmm. And we shot the interviews right here on a black screen. And I tried to bring you right down to where I was. And you're going to see the acupuncture. You're going to see horrible photos. You're going to see things that I don't think that just Facebook would ever allow. I showed you photos that you had never seen before. Mm-hmm. Horrible. Which, which, by the way, we've got we've got a couple of those in the magazine. But, uh, yeah, you weren't looking, you know, at your most handsome there in the days following well, look, the accident. I'm going to ask a favor, one favor for my fans, okay? I ask this favor at NRA. If you're not a member of NRA, please join. If you are not subscribed to Peterson's Bowhunting, this, guys, listen to me, may be my one chance to prove that I am a force to be reckoned with in this industry, and I've done positive things. So please either subscribe to the magazine or run out and buy the magazine because Christian cannot put me back on there if my month of June is a flop. So please, <laughs> if you want to help me, go buy the magazine. Keep me on television. and uh, Yeah, you just you want it to be the best-selling issue of all time. So That's you, what my goal is. Yeah, you think that if you do that, then it's going to be like 12 months a year of Pigman. No. It's going to be like... It's going to be like... 11. <laughs> it's going to be Pigman Christmas. We're going to have you there, like putting a pig on top of the Christmas tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the Pigman Valentine's Day is going to be you flying with pigs with a little Cupid bow in your. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be. Yeah, fun. yeah, it's going to get out of control. Yeah. Everybody in the office that doubted me is going to have to have a Pigman tattoo right on the forearm. Oh, That's all man. I'm saying. Um. So, so listen here. Let's let's uh, sort of to wrap this up. I mean, um. How is the pig man different post-accident than before, or or are you any different, other than physically? Oh, man. It's, uh, I don't know at this point. I, you know what, right now, i got to be honest, I'm like in that, I think I'm in that area where 
I, I like I'm positive, 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 and then like the last three days, uh, you know, I've really been feeling good, and then my one day my eye hurt, and then. And I don't know how to explain it. The only way I can explain it is somebody holding your eye open and using canned air and blowing your eye dry. Because my eyelid don't work exactly the same as the other one. Now, since you've been here, it works a lot better. And I actually can go most of the day without the eye patch. And everybody, the doctors and the acupuncturists, they all say, yes, yes, definitely. The nerves are coming back. Uh, you know, that's working. They're talking about as they do the cataract surgery, they're either going to sew my eye on the corner what opposite of my nose, kind of pinch it shut so there's less eyelid to work, or they have a surgery where they actually put a gold chain in your eyelid that weights it so it works. I'm thinking, you know, I don't want to do that because that bruises the eye, and I've been through so much. The eyelid gets bruised and it takes a couple of weeks to get over it, but whatever i got left in this eye, I have to preserve it. So I'm still, I've still got a little bit of stuff to overcome yet with this eye, and let's pray that this all comes back, and that's all I can do. And uh, But, look, I, here's why I feel confident. I've got good people surrounding me. You guys at Peterson's Bow Hunting have supported me. Sportsman Channel supported me. The archery industry, the gun industry, I have way more friends than I ever thought I did. And uh, so I think my legacy is I owe something to somebody. And I think in the near future I'm going to pick at some point a random person, and I'm going to produce them. And because this is what I am, a TV producer, don't think that I'm just in front of the camera. I produce television. And I want to pick somebody and give them their one shot at stardom. And maybe I can get something started, you know, that way. And also I want to get involved with some children organizations, whether it be Shriners, uh, any children's hospitals, and try to help. So anybody out there listening, uh, send your ideas to us because I do want to try everything in my power to help as many people as I can. Well, um, that's good, man. I tell you what, <clears throat> we're glad that the pig man is still with us. Um, glad to hear that you've got, you know, not only lots of good things rolling here with your own show. I know you've got some uh, some new and some renewed endorsement deals even since the uh, since the accident. Like you said, the industry is uh, is sticking by you strong. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing. Uh, these comeback episodes, I know that's going to be airing uh, in June as well. Uh, two consecutive Sunday nights on the Sportsman Channel. Yep. Uh, make sure to tune in to those and see what the Pigman. So you got the June issue of the magazine. You got the Pigman TV hey. on Sportsman Channel. And uh, Not only, dude, are they going to see me on Sportsman Channel looking a little jacked up, but yeah. uh, I love the picture you chose for the uh, cover. And uh, I looked like uh, I had just uh, been in a fight with a professional boxer, and I lost in full camo. That's all I can tell you. So you owe it to yourself, guys. Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you something, too. It's not the typical hunting magazine. It's not boring, and it's not the same old, same old. We get right down into the gut of what happened with this accident, and it has very little to do with actually pig man on TV and Pigman as a hunter and hunting in general. It's a pretty dang good article. You did a great job of putting that thing together. And uh, I think people owe it to themselves to see that. Because, hey, I, hopefully this is the only time in my career that I'm going to get my head run over. So you definitely want to grab that June issue. Yeah, well, I appreciate the kind words, man. It, uh, Like we said, you know, at the beginning, it was a shame that you had to 
almost die to get on the cover, but uh, well, I'm sure glad you pulled through because otherwise oh, we wouldn't have been able to do it. You know what I'm, I'm saying? I'm going to put you on the spot here for a minute and say, if we have uh, a good turnout, is there a, maybe a possibility that I might accidentally make the cover sometime again? I'll say this. We'll take that under advisement. You, uh, in your previous life, you was an attorney. That's what it sounds like to me, buddy. We will absolutely, so. we will absolutely take that under advisement. Let's focus right now on, uh, on just getting you, uh, all the way back where you need to be. Get that cataract surgery, man. We're, we'll continue to, uh, to pray for you, man. We, we, we hope that that surgery just opens up a whole new level of vision for you. And, uh, I will certainly, I will say this, you know, I, I can't promise you uh how many cover appearances you may have in your future i can promise you that i will uh, along with many many other people uh, both within the industry and and out there in the public i will be following the pig man more closely than i ever have in the past just because well, i appreciate it man and now what i say we didn't absolutely know each other but now we're friends that is what our industry is about no matter what you think about me on television i portray what what the way I hunt, and that's what I do. Some of the <clears throat> older traditional type bow hunters, they may not be a fan, but here's the deal. Remember what I'm doing. I'm attempting to promote this sport as best I can and to as many people as I can, and I do reach the younger demographic. That is a fact by Nielsen ratings. So support what I'm doing. You don't have to like it. But remember, I'm a fan of helping kids and getting kids into archery, and so is Peterson's bow hunting. And if you don't get the June issue of the magazine, you lost your mind. Hey, thanks again, Brian. God bless you. Uh, wish you all the success uh, uh, continued uh, as you've had in the past. And uh, like I say, we'll be we'll be checking in with you regularly. And uh, uh, as time permits, we'll get you back on the show again before too long. Okay. okay, man. Thanks, buddy. Yep, take care. You too. Thanks for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, presented by Easton's new ultra micro diameter injection arrows. For more information, pick up a copy of Peterson's Bowhunting Magazine on newsstands now. <laughs>